Section eight of A Voyage to the Moon by Cyrano de Bergerac, translated by Archibald Lovell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter six of a youth whom he met there, and of their conversation, what that country was, and the inhabitants of it. I had advanced half a league through a forest of jessamines and myrtles when I perceived something that stirred lying in the shade it was a youth whose majestic beauty forced me almost to adoration he started up to hinder me crying it is not to me but to god that you owe these humilities you see one answered i stunned with so many wonders that i know not what to admire most for coming from a world which without doubt you take for a moon here i thought i had arrived in another which our worldlings call a moon also and behold i am in paradise at the feet of a god who will not be adored except the quality of a god replied he whose creature i only am the rest you say is true this land is the moon which you see from your globe and this place where you are is Now at that time man's imagination was so strong as not being as yet corrupted neither by debauches the crudity of aliments nor the alterations of diseases that being excited by a violent desire of coming to this sanctuary and his body becoming light through the heat of this inspiration he was carried thither in the same manner as some philosophers who having fixed their imagination upon the contemplation of a certain object have sprung up in the air by ravishments which you call ecstasies the woman who through the infirmity of her sex was weaker and less hot could not without doubt have the imagination strong enough to make the intention of her will prevail over the ponderousness of her matter but because there were very few the sympathy which still united that half to its whole drew her towards him as he mounted up as the amber attracts the straw as the lodestone turns towards the north from whence it hath been taken and drew to himself that part of himself as the sea draws the rivers which proceed from it when they arrived in your earth they dwelt betwixt mesopotamia and arabia some people knew them by the name of and others under that of prometheus whom the poets feigned to have stolen fire from heaven by reason of his offspring who were endowed with a soul as perfect as his own so that to inhabit your world that man left this destitute but the all-wise would not have so blessed an habitation to remain without inhabitants he suffered a few ages after that cloyed with the company of men whose innocence was corrupted had a desire to forsake them this person however thought no retreat secure enough from the ambition of men who already murdered one another about the distribution of your world except that blessed land which his grandfather had so often mentioned unto him and to which no body had as yet found out the way but his imagination supplied that for seeing he had observed that he filled two large vessels which he sealed hermetically and fastened them under his armpits so soon as the smoke began to rise upwards and could not pierce through the metal it forced up the vessels on high and with them also that great man 
when he was got as high as the moon and had cast his eyes upon that lovely garden a fit of almost supernatural joy convinced him that that was the place where his grandfather had heretofore lived he quickly untied the vessels which he had girt like wings about his shoulders and did it so luckily that he was scarcely four fathom in the air above the moon when he set his fins a-going yet he was high enough still to have been hurt by the fall had it not been for the large skirts of his gown which being swelled by the wind gently upheld him till he set foot on ground as for the two vessels they mounted up to a certain place where they have continued and those are they which nowadays you call the balance i must now tell you the manner how i came hither i believe you have not forgot my name seeing it is not long since i told it you you shall know then that i lived on the agreeable banks of one of the most renowned rivers of your world where amongst my books i led a life pleasant enough not to be lamented though it slipped away fast enough in the meanwhile the more i increased in knowledge the more i knew my ignorance our learned men never put me in mind of the famous marder but the thoughts of his perfect philosophy made me to sigh I was despairing of being able to attain to it when one day after a long and profound studying i took a piece of lodestone about two foot square which i put into a furnace and then after it was well purged precipitated and dissolved i drew the calcined attractive of it and reduced it into the size of about an ordinary bowl after the preparations i got a very light machine of iron made into which i went and when i was well seated in my place i threw this magnetic bowl as high as i could up into the air now the iron machine which i had purposely made more massive in the middle than at the ends was presently elevated and in a just poise because the middle received the greatest force of attraction so then as i arrived at the place whither my lodestone had attracted me i presently threw up my bowl in the air over me but said i interrupting him how came you to heave up your bowl so straight over your chariot that it never happened to be on one side of it that seems to me to be no wonder at all said he for the lodestone being once thrown up in the air drew the iron straight towards it and so it was impossible that ever i should mount sideways nay more i can tell you that when i held the bowl in my hand i was still mounting upwards because the chariot flew always to the lodestone which i held over it but the effort of the iron to be united to my bowl was so violent that it made my body bend double so that i durst but once essay that new experiment the truth is it was a very surprising spectacle to behold for the steel of that flying house which i had very carefully polished reflected on all sides the light of the sun with so great life and lustre that i thought myself to be all on fire in fine after often bowling and following of my cast i came as you did to an elevation from which i descended towards this world and because at that instant i held my bowl very fast between my hands my machine whereof the seat pressed me hard that it might approach its attractive did not forsake me all that now i feared was that i should break my neck but to save me from that ever now and then i tossed up my bowl that by its attractive virtue it might prevent the violent descent of my machine and render my fall more easy as indeed it happened 
for when i saw myself within two or three hundred fathom of the earth i threw out my bowl on all hands level with the chariot sometimes on this side and sometimes on that until i came to a certain distance and immediately then i tossed it up above me so that my machine following it i left it and let myself fall on the other side as gently as i could upon the sand insomuch that my fall was no greater than if it had been but my own height i shall not describe to you the amazement i was in at the sight of the wonders of this place seeing it was so like the same wherewith i just now saw you seized you shall know then that on the morrow i met with the tree of life by the means of which i have kept myself from growing old it straightway consumed the serpent and made him to vanish away in smoke at these words venerable and holy patriarch said i to him i am eager to know what you understand by that serpent which was consumed he with face a smiling answered me thus the tree of knowledge is planted opposite its fruit is covered with a rind which produces ignorance in whomsoever hath tasted thereof yet this rind preserves underneath its thickness all the spiritual virtues of this learned food god when he had driven adam from this fortunate country rubbed his gums with this same rind that he might never find the way back again for more than fifteen years thereafter he did dote and did so completely forget all things that neither he nor any of his descendants till moses ever remembered even so much as the creation but what power was left of this direful rind at last passed away through the warmth and brightness of that great prophet's genius i happily met with one among these apples which through ripeness was despoiled of its skin hardly had my mouth watered with it when universal knowledge penetrated my being i felt as it were an infinite number of eyes fixed themselves in my head and i knew the means of speaking with the lord when i have since reflected on these miraculous events i have judged that i could in no wise have overcome by any occult powers of a simple natural body the vigilance of that seraph whom god has ordained to guard this paradise but since he is pleased to use second causes i imagined that he had inspired me to find this means of entering there even as he thought good to take of the ribs of adam to make him a wife though he could form her of earth as well as he did adam i remained long in this garden walking about alone but in fine since the angel that was the keeper of the gate seemed to me to be in chief my host here i was taken with the desire to salute him in an hour's journey i came to a place where a thousand lightnings mingled together in one blinding light that served but to make darkness visible i was not yet fully recovered from this dazzlement when i saw before me a beautiful young man i am said he the archangel whom you seek i have but now read in god that he had inspired you with the means of coming here and that he willed you should here expect his pleasure he talked with me of many things and told me among the rest that the light wherewith i had been amazed was nothing fearful but that it appeared almost every evening when he went his rounds seeing that to avoid sudden attack from the evil spirits which may enter secretly at any place he was constrained mightily to swing his flaming sword in circles all about the bounds of the earthly paradise 
and that the light i had seen was the lightnings which the steel of it gave forth those also which you perceive from your earth he added are of my creation and if sometimes you see them at a great distance it is because the clouds of some distant region hold themselves in such disposition as to receive an impression of these unbodied fires and reflect them to your eyes just as clouds otherwise disposed may prove themselves fit to make the rainbow i will not instruct you further in these matters since to be sure the apple of knowledge is not far from hence whereas as soon as you have eaten you will know all things even as i but see you make no mistake for most of the fruits that hang from that plant are encased in a rind whose taste will abase you even below man while the part within will make you mount up to be even as the angels elijah had come to this point of the teachings of the seraph when a little short man came up with us this is that enoch of whom i told you said my guide to me apart and even while he finished the words enoch offered to us a basketful of i know not what fruits like to pomegranates which he had but discovered that same day in a distant coppice i took some and put in my pockets as elijah bade me hereupon enoch asked him who i might be that is a matter answered my guide to entertain us at more leisure this evening when we have withdrawn he shall tell us himself of the miraculous particulars of his journey with these words we arrived beneath a sort of hermitage made of palm branches skilfully interlaced with myrtle and orange branches there i saw in a little nook great piles of a kind of floss silk so white and so delicate that one might take it for the virgin soul of the snow and i saw distaffs lying here and there whereupon i asked my guide what use they served to spin he answered me when the good enoch would relax his mind from meditation he applies himself sometimes to dressing this lady distaff sometimes to weaving the cloth from which they make shifts for the eleven thousand virgins surely in your world you have met with that something white which flutters on the winds in autumn about the season of the winter sowings your peasant folk call it our lady's cotton but it is no other than the flock that enoch purges his linen of when he cards it we made little delay there and but barely took leave of enoch whom this cabin served for his cell in truth what made us leave him so soon was this that he said some prayer there every six hours and it was at least that time since he had finished the last one as we went forward i begged elijah to finish that history which he had begun of the assumptions or translations and i said that he had come i thought to that of st john the evangelist then said he to me since you have not the patience to wait till the apple of knowledge teach you all these things better than i can i will even tell you know then that god at this word in some way i know not how the devil would have his finger in that pie or howsoever it came about so it was that i could not forbear interrupting him with raillery i remember that case said i god heard one day that the soul of the evangelist was so loosed from his body that he no more kept it in but by shutting his teeth hard and at that moment the hour when he had foreseen that he should be translated hither was almost past so having no time to get him a machine made ready for coming he was constrained to make him suddenly be here without having time to bring him 
during all my discourse elijah bent upon me such a look as would have been fit to kill me had i then been capable of dying from aught but hunger thou wretch said he and drew back in horror thou hast the insolence to rail at holy things surely thou shouldst not go unpunished were it not that the all-wise determines to spare thee as a marvellous example of his long suffering a witness to the nations get hence thou blasphemer go thou and publish in this little world and in the other for thou art predestined to return thither the unforgetting hatred that god bears to atheists hardly had he finished this curse when he seized me roughly to drag me toward the gate when we were arrived beside a great tree whose branches bent almost to earth with the burden of their fruit here said he is that tree of knowledge where thou shouldst have got enlightenment inconceivable but for thy infidelity at that word i feigned to swoon with weakness and letting myself fall against a low branch i handily filched an apple from it and in but a few strides more i was set down outside of that delicious garden in that moment being so violently pressed by hunger that i even forgot i was in the grip of the angry prophet i drew from my pocket one of those apples i had filled it with wherein i buried my teeth as deep as i could but so it was that in place of taking one of those enoch had given me my hand fell on that very apple i had plucked from the tree of knowledge which for my misfortune i had not freed of its rind scarcely had i tasted it when a thick cloud overcast my soul i saw no body now near me and in the whole hemisphere my eyes could not discern the least tract of the way i had made yet nevertheless i fully remembered everything that befell me when i reflected since upon that miracle i fancied that the skin of the fruit which i bit had not rendered me altogether brutish because my teeth piercing through it were a little moistened by the juice within the efficacy whereof had dissipated the malignities of the rind i was not a little surprised to see myself all alone in a country i knew not it was to no purpose for me to stare and look about me for no creature appeared to comfort me end of chapter six